0: Let's go. let's go! Come on, everybody, and let's get to pumping, cause it's three days the time, baby. Rip City is jumping now. Ah, okay, Brindle up the middle. Oh. Oh. Hey. Right. Come on, everybody! All right, everybody, welcome to the 321st edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in sunny Rip City, and I got my man Sage here. uh I
1: hurt my back and now I feel like I'm going to get the flu again. So not feeling totally great, but I'm here to talk about this uh, disappointing ass team.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have uh, my sleep schedule completely out of whack. I stay up super late and wake up super late uh, covering um, covering shifts. And so it's three o'clock in the afternoon. I've been up for like four hours and I just got done eating breakfast. So it's it's. My equilibrium is completely changed, but I was just asking Olga. I was like, okay, when is there is there is there a window that that we can podcast? And I've just been texting you. I was like, yeah, maybe I'm free now. No, maybe later. I've got to go pick up some diapers. We were down to our last diaper, so I had to go run and get those. And you know, it's just it's it's the dad life. Um, And you know, you're super flexible, so it's like, okay, I got an hour, and you're like, okay, let me handle my business and then let's, let's get it. Um, so it's, even though this team is like super disappointing, I, I love just taking an hour out of my day and chatting with you. And it's such a stress reliever. Um, but unfortunately, uh, not only were the results, um, disappointing, This week, the Blazers going winless after sweeping the Mavericks losing uh, by nine in Denver, 122 to 113, uh, not really showing up against the Sixers losing 105 to 95, and then probably the worst loss in recent memory, blowing a 25-point halftime lead to the Los Angeles Lakers uh, at home, 121 to 112, which pushed Portland down to 13th in the Western Conference, 21 and 25. They are now just one game above 500 at home and two and eight in their last 10. Um, Clearly, last night was an emotional uh, day in in Portland for the Trailblazers, the fans, the organization. Uh, On Saturday morning, uh, it was reported that um, the mayor of Rip City, Bill Shonley, uh, passed away at the age of 93. And this came off of uh, other news, uh, sad news, that came out that uh, longtime cameraman, John Curry, spent 40 years with the organization unexpectedly passed away as, as well. And those are just like body blows that, uh, take a lot to, uh, recover from. And when the, when Olga woke me up, she's like, Hey, I got some bad news. Like Sean's passed away. I honestly wasn't super sad. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One, he was 93. He lived a long, uh, incredible life. But I had heard through message boards that he was in hospice, and that time was kind of tw- ticking down on his, 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 his life clock. And so, when you're always able to prepare for something, it's so much easier to transition and 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 accept um, wh- what has happened. Um, and it, it's just you understand everything he gave to the organization and he was he was around and he was Lively up until probably you know what was reported the last few months it's it's the when you get the news that you know Uncle Cliffy has passed away unexpectedly Jerome and Duck th- those are the ones that are really gut punches because you're Sean Lee was kind of like the, the blazers father of everyone like you don't want to see your kids go before you mm. um so when you know you got the news that Sean's passed you're like okay like it sucks but it was time. And I think when it happens like that, you I think just at least for me personally, you're just more in a celebration of life mode rather than like, man, I wish they had so much more left in, in the tank like Sean's. That was he a good that journey too.
1: that that he's That's lived a great a very journey. Full. Yeah, he's lived and a very full life.
0: For those that don't know, this podcast is named after one of his iconic catchphrases. Holy backboard. You know, the origin story. I, I've told it, but I you know it was 2009 graduated from college it's the the recession and i'm looking for something to keep me sane trying to find any work uh in the summertime and i started i started a blog and i named it holy backboard after bill shanley um i've had the pleasure of interviewing him when i worked for the team in 2012 it was for the 35th anniversary of the 77 championship team i went up to him told him my name and then you know, hours later, he's still Dustin. Like, so like he, he was just that type of ambassador, that type of person. When you spoke to him, he gave you his undivided attention, looked you in the eyes, remembered your name, made you feel like you were the most important thing at that time. And that, that is just rare for any individual to do, let alone someone with so much notoriety and clout and just gravitas that Bill Shanley. Uh, really brings to him in this region he is the mayor of rip city everyone remembers his voice and they remember listening to him on the radio that was back when you know it was hard to watch every game wasn't televised you know you had to have blazer cable or you got maybe a couple of national tv games a season you were listening to Bill Shonley uh call the game and describe what he was seeing and he has a generation of generations and generations of fans that, that grew up uh with him. And he, we're lucky enough that we have those audio moments recorded for eternity. So anytime you need your your dose of Sean's, you know, you can go to YouTube or you can just have old tapes. And you can listen to what he was able to call and like i watched the video that the blazers put out and you know I definitely teared up especially when he was you know calling a play with jerome and duck like though that, that was that's my childhood i can i absolutely identify who where i was you know who i was as, as a person at, at that young life age and you know those are just moments that kind of tug at your heartstrings so it's definitely you know uh a rough moment but also a celebration of how incredible he was and i really you mentioned this in texting me like i hope they do something permanent for him it's got to be more than a patch they need to build a, a a goddamn statue for him he is the franchise or you know maybe instead of having you know podunk ass toyota dealership on the court uh advertisements why don't you do bill shonley court at the motive center like th- this there needs to be something monumental and massive that continues his legacy for the rest of time because that—that's if you're doing a Mount Rushmore of the the any players or anybody in the organization, Bill Shonley is right smack dab in the middle. Like he is, Rip City.
1: He—he's your childhood. So, and there's so many people that are your age and older that have had these deep connections with him. So, I think having the court be the Bill Shanley Court would be incredibly dope for you know the to to show what he's done for for the Blazers and his legacy with this team. I think it'd be really cool for the Blazers to do that. On the other hand, do you think that our ownership and management would do it?
0: I I, I have zero faith in ownership right now. It's below zero. If if, if that's possible, a ne- negative faith right now that they will do anything. Yeah. I, I feel like at minimum
1: what they're going to do is put his insignia on the jersey for the rest of the year and that's that's kind of it. Call it good. Yeah. Cuz I cuz I remember when Bryce DeJean Jones got killed and that's what the Pelicans did, but Bryce DeJean Jones was an like it was a undrafted rookie with like only a few years in the league, but Lee's had like generations of fans so I feel like we probably should do like next level shit. But like, I hope like, I don't know how they make their decisions, but I hope like project managers and whoever like help make a, a good decision with this, because it's, it, it it's kind of, it's important for them to be able to pay homage to somebody that helped create a legacy. I mean, like shit, the, <laughs> this, the, the blog that turned into the podcast is kind of based on it. So, you know, he has to, we had the blazers have to do something right about it. Did you watch that Lakers game? I hope you didn't.
0: Uh-huh. I I did. So I've, you know, I make I I'm still carving out time. I I have the game um because root sports is so trash and Evoca TV is no longer. I I have to use uh my parents Comcast login. Oh, good uh, shit. You have a you can't do that with Charter. And root sports is so trash. I can't even pull it up on my laptop. I have to use my phone through their app, so I I'm stuck <laughs> listening to the radio which is 30 seconds ahead and i have to watch the action on a, a iphone because root sports is basically stuck in 2005. um so i i am able to watch i am able to listen and then obviously i'm cleaning diapers or doing dishes or just eating eating trying to do daily activities uh and then i'll i'll catch the mbas they do a pretty good comprehensive uh youtube uh highlight package after the fact but you know i put the game on see we're down all of a sudden you know simon's is going nuts dame's going nuts my mom's telling me hey they're up 17 20 they're up 25 at the halftime and i think i go back to doing some dishes and she's like shit the lakers are coming back i'm like what's the score she's like yeah they're only up 16 oh now it's 12 and then i think my mom took adrian and i start watching and i'm like uh mom we're only at five uh, Lakers are up four and the Lakers are up seven. she's just you know we're both she's I'm like do you want to watch the game she's like no it just makes me too mad you just listen to the game and uh, tell me what's happening and it was just uh kind of a nightmare but but one thing that that stood out to me and you you tweeted it is where in the hell was Nasir Little? You now, is he on a minutes restriction? And I, I looked up, I was like, he played 13 minutes. And in the action that I saw, he was getting it done from distance. He was ringing energy. They, He was part of that that charge that led Portland ahead. And you're only playing him 13 minutes, Sage. Like, this coach has to go. Like, I am done with Chauncey Billups. I'm done with his, his asinine Post game press conferences, the excuses that are now oh, starting I don't, to I don't roll out of his with mouth. My, I don't
1: bother with an inept.
0: Talking about lack of playoff experience, bro. You have literally a top seventy five player of all time on your roster, and you're talking about playoff experience. Did you do not see the Lakers roster out there? Thomas, Brown Bryant like bro. Thomas Bryant Jr., Bill O'Neill, Thomas Bryant, Wenyon Gabriel, Max Christie. I mean, just they that roster is not good, and. You are just blowing leads like, I'm sorry, losing to the Lakers after having a 25 point halftime lead the day after the passing of Sean's and then a couple days after the passing of John Curry. That's a fireball offense. You cannot do that. Like he is entirely responsible for these slow starts that this team continuously, um, gets out to they, they, they're down double digits right off the bat to Philadelphia down 18 to four uh against the Lakers then they get out scored 40 to 20 to start the third quarter this is the same story we saw against Orlando the starters just basically dragging ass in the first quarter coming back and then dragging ass to start the third quarter like when is he going to learn that Dame Ant Hart Jeremy Grant and whatever center you want that is not that is not it Like find something else because that unit is not getting off to good starts and they certainly aren't finishing games off well because as we saw in the Laker game, he goes to that unit and they aren't able to have an identity. They aren't able to get it done on either end of the floor. And we have, this is we're 55%, 60% into the season. This is a large enough sample size Mm. to say, Hey, this isn't working and he's, he's not making any, adjustments i don't think what he is saying is getting through to the team um the roster is good it is not great it is not a championship contender given the state of the western conference right now it sh- you you should be better than like the sacramento kings are third in the west right now this They're this roster yeah. this roster is comparable to the kings mm-hmm. yet the kings have mike brown and we're stuck with chauncey Bullops. and i i, I, I just did you watch the first quarter so yeah. the thing that offended me the most was,
1: I get it. Thomas Bryant did not hit a three-point shot in like multiple games. Test it. Test it. He can shoot. I know he can shoot. And if I know he can shoot, fucking somebody on the Blazers organization should know that he can fucking shoot. So give him one. Give him two. Give him three. But if he continues to stroke it and hit, you have to do something to adjust
0: to that new reality where he is absolutely a flame thrower. Oh, you mean kind no. of like Christian Wood did in the second Dallas game, and we just continuously let yeah. him see threes? But like
1: I, I I I it was like a conscious effort for the Blazers to not close out on him for the first half. Just a conscious, like, he's trash, he's a second-round pick, blah blah blah. And dude got so confident, he looked like a fucking perennial superstar. He looked like against Carl Anthony it. Towns. Yeah, no, even he, he, Call anthony Townsend isn't getting rebounds over players. Well, I'm saying shooting the three. Uh, Fair enough. But like, so it it confused me. Like, I get that, like, if he's bricking, yeah, have Nurkic down there in the paint and grabbing all the rebounds because they have all of these athletic freaks that can get rebounds. So having somebody that can take up space is smart. But as soon as the reality is that he is on a heater, we didn't do anything about it. And then as punishment for this, this tactic that this, the Blazers did, and I'll, I'll admit Yusuf had a bad game, but he only did the drop, the super disrespectful coverage that I'm sure that he was in, instructed to do. So then we put Eubanks in, and Eubanks is going to... He's really undisciplined, so players like Thomas Bryant and LeBron James can just, you know, wait until he jumps and score. So it, it was... It was decent strategy until that strategy failed because of the shot of Thomas Bryant. Like I, th- I think they went like four for six in the first quarter and got it to an 18 to 4 run. Like we had to address it and we didn't. And then Yusuf gets I I, I he got punished because he only played like 16 minutes. So I I I don't get what the thought process was when things adapted and we still did the same thing. Isn't that the Definition of of being insane is doing the same thing. Sanity, like, yeah. Like, come on, man.
0: There are zero. This, this dude's having counter, a career game because zero counters in this coaching staff. They'll have they'll have an idea of what they want to do, and if it works, they look like geniuses. If the opposing coach does something to counter what Portland is doing, Chauncey Billups and his staff have, have no other moves up their sleeves. So like, oh well, we tried what we wanted to do. Uh, give it to Dame and get get out of the way. I, I think. This has just been such uh, a frustrating season on on a lot of levels, but what I'm seeing the most, and I think the bare minimum a coach can do right now is make a change in the lineup. That's the bare minimum. So do you think it's going to be Josh or Yusuf? It needs to be Anfernee and it needs to be Josh. It won't be Anfernee, but um, they, they need to break up that backcourt. My, my God, like it's, they just People need to talk have height somewhere in the, the backcourt. I, I don't want to be disrespectful to Anthony Simons. I do think he is a good player, but he is not a shooting guard and he's also not a pure point guard. He's he's he not. Reminds a compl- me, no, I would say he's a short shooting guard, bro. He reminds me of Monte Ellis. He is going to score. And that is all you are going to get. I, I looked at his last three games of this week. He has a, he averaged 37 minutes. So in 37 minutes, he, He has given you a combined seven assists and three rebounds and 12 turnovers, that's what he's giving you combined in three games. So you're getting nothing but scoring. You're not getting defense. You're not getting playmaking. You're not even getting rebounding. Like You cannot have that type of player commanding so much of your offense. He is literally giving you nothing else on the basketball court. He needs to be moved to the sixth man role. Everyone's been clamoring for a bench score. Well, there you have, I, I don't care if his feelings get hurt I, I, there. If there's an ego, he's getting paid. He is a fantastic score. That is what he is. Utilize him in that fashion. I'm also tired of, of, of Josh Hart really <laughs> being a passive player because him as the fifth option is just not working. Here's what I would do. I would, I would start and finish with Dame, Shaden, Nasir, Jeremy, and Yusuf. I think you get actual size. You get actual length defense. You have a clear dominant player in Damian Lillard. You can finally just run the high pick and roll, which he thrived in so often. And the way in the series shooting the basketball, you can have spacing on the floor. And then you can also allow Jeremy to be the clear number two option because that's what he needs to be right now. I think Portland's probably going to end up benching maybe Josh or, or Nurk, and it's not going to be the answer. I, I think, there's no accountability right now, right now with, with this team, if you're taking bad shots, like I also, again, I, I don't mean to pile on Anthony, but when you're like, I'm even talking, you know, with, with, with my mom, while while she's here with us, helping watch, you know, Adrian, like she says, like, he's a really good player, but like, I just noticed he's not pat, he just doesn't pass the ball.
1: Mm. Well, and like, you and use the, those three games as an example. There's going to, in those three games, he was the only Play, playmaker in like at least 45% of that time so just think about how if he isn't on fuego just think about the lack of ball movement in that unit when he is like in charge of 45% of it like every point assist or turnover is based on Anthony Simons and he's getting more uh, turnovers than assists so that's just dead possessions for us so yeah he just he just doesn't pass and I used to think that it used to think that it was just, he has awful vision and yeah, he has awful vision, but even now that uh, like players are, he obviously sees them and then chooses not to. So yeah, like I think he's on that, he's on what Jordan Poole is this year's apex of what, of what he looked like, you know, like Monte Ellis is a perfect example of it, but Monte Ellis learned how to pass eventually. I don't think that, he has the vision of Monte. I think he's on that Colin Sexton, Jur, uh, Jordan Poole way of vision. So, yeah, I think in the perfect world, he'd be the sixth man. I don't think he actually will be because $100 million versus, you know, whatever. But I, I hear you. Because and then like, I, I like think I, that I told you. in your perfect world, I think that we would e- – I think it's either
0: Shaden or Gary Payton the second for the two. See, I, I would. I would have GP – gp could finish but i would yeah. want to see G- gp with with um with anfernee because he can give you a little bit more of the at least attempting to, to pass the basketball like when so as, as i mentioned like I, I do go back and i watch all of the game highlights to see if i missed anything and nearly every time anfernee scores the ball it's off of a lot of dribbling like it, it's like CJ a few years ago when it was like CJ passed the goddamn ball, quit dribbling the ball so much. Like it's like he scored, but one, it's not sustainable. Two, nobody else is getting in the flow of the offense. It just it doesn't make for good team basketball. And another area and what I want to see the Blazers do is I feel like something happened with, with Shaden where I don't know why he he when he comes into the game he just feels extra passive right now. And I really do think players like Josh Hart and to an extent, Anthony Simons are are hindering his development from just being unleashed and saying, Shaden, go out there. If you get the ball, shoot it, like catch and shoot. Like he's, he is a unselfish player, but the more I've been watching lately, I think he's been unselfish to a fault. Like I feel like he's uh, afraid to take a shot because he's passing up on some opportunities and Earlier in the year, he was kind of like a quick trigger. Like he was taking good shots, but like he wasn't really hesitating. I see a lot of hesitation in his game right now. And he is far too talented to be kind of pushed down the the pecking order on a team that is four games under 500, 46 games into the season. Like this is the the player that you literally tanked post All Star break for. Let's go out and actually let him shine. Yes. Uh, so I also, you know, I stay up late <laughs> watching the baby. And if the baby's catching some Z's, you know, I'll, I'll browse, you know, forums and, you know, see just what, what other people are thinking. Like I also listen to, you know, the fifth quarter show. I just, I like to just hear kind of the, the pulse uh, of what people have, what they're thinking. And obviously if it's the same opinion or differing opinions, but somebody mentioned there was a press conference after that Brooklyn game in Portland. Shaden, I think had his career high, but Chauncey Bullops kind of like, didn't praise him and kind of I think somebody asked why didn't he go back in in the fourth quarter because he was just scorching and he said that Brooklyn made a defensive adjustment and Shaden didn't do what he was supposed to do and so he went back on the bench and I call complete bullshit because I remember talking about that on this podcast where Shaden right now is just a he's a he needs somebody to get him going but if he if Dame's drawing people he can he can catch and shoot You can throw lobs to him like he can come off curls like there's no defense to really stop that type of player. And I just kind of like something interesting for a, a coach to do to a 19 year old rookie. And ever since then, he, he got his minutes cut, his opportunities uh kind of shrunk. Like, remember when, when they missed a couple of games and Shaden started that first rockets game, that's where he had those monster dunks. Like those opportunities are, are not there anymore for, for sharp. He's playing a little bit in the second quarter, but then hardly playing at all in, in the second half. Like. So I, I think you're looking at a combination of of a coach not knowing how to handle uh, a 19 year old rookie. I, I think you're also looking at a coach who is co- coaching, uh, I think, scared, but also not not smartly in the sense of okay, they're making a slight run. Let's bring Dame back in with 10 minutes left in the third quarter after or fourth quarter after playing the entire third. Like there's kind of a, a lack of trust, but I also think there's just not putting shade in in, in the right situations like earlier on in the season we were actually seeing Never okay can, can we yeah. yeah can can we get him off of cuts can we get him off of catch and shoots like so i've should have been you. a sit down with ampherny and okay go ahead who do you think the players that he plays best with are yusuf Jeremy and Nasir yeah. and I think we've seen a little bit Nasir for sure but I, I loved what I saw in that little sample size with GP2 Guess who the players that he played with the most are? It's got to be Ant. Yep. But he's not the most.
1: Who's the most? Drew Eubanks, Trendon Wadford, Anthony, and Jeremy Grant. So I think you're taking away the one dude who can actually create shots and opportunity for him by playing Drew Eubanks the most with this guy that if he got a cut going downhill and someone could find him, he would be in a lot better place than he is right now. But Drew Eubanks isn't That's not his able game. to do that. Yeah. So you're putting him in a, a, a in a situation where it's just absolute, like he can't go to the hoop because Drew Eubanks can't leave the hoop. Anthony Simons is dribbling the ball. So it, it's yeah. putting him in a really bad position. And then Trendon Watford really can't find, like he can pass, but he's not going to, he's not a good enough passer that he can replace Yusuf Nurkic. Like Drew Eubanks and Trendon Watford cannot replace what Yusuf Nurkic can do. So we're putting him in a really bad place. And now he's shooting worse because he has less opportunity for wide open shots. I'm looking at like uh, pre-Nets game and post-Nets game, and there's a huge difference in uh, percentages. So yeah, Chauncey Billups isn't treating him like the potential superstar in a few
0: years and putting him with players that absolutely can't help him do you remember that massive tip dunk he had in Los Angeles? Yeah. Yeah. It was off of Anthony Simons. And in the, ever since I, ever since I got this quote, I've been paying attention to it because so she, the reporter asked him, how did you know this was coming? How did you get like just a highlight tip dunk like that? And he's like, well, Anthony had the ball and the, the shot clock was winding down. So I knew it was going up and I knew my defender turned his head. So I just went for the ball ever since then. I watch Shaden and, and he has had a couple of great putback dunks. But when, especially, and this is maybe just anecdotally, maybe there's the certain clips that I can see live. Whenever Anthony has the ball, Shaden immediately goes to the basket because he knows that shot is going up because so he's trying to get an offensive rebound. He's trying to help out the team. That's one of the things. he's also trying to
1: score. Like he yeah, doesn't that's get the fucking ball. Like, like he doesn't get the ball at all He's
0: trying to get the basketball. And like, I know this is coming off as like an anti Anthony podcast. It's really not meant to be, but like, I don't think he, he and Dame just aren't a fit. Like right now, Anthony needs to be better. He needs to be less of a scorer and more of a playmaker. We we saw, we saw more of the uh, playmaking from Anthony last year. Um, yeah. It was, it wasn't a lot, but it was significantly more than we're seeing this year. But again, it goes to a coaching staff not holding players accountable when you're not benched, when your minutes stay the same, when your shot uh, frequency continues to to stay at the level it is. You're going to think everything is peaches and cream and you're going to continue to do it. But for a coach that came in talking about defense and accountability and and all this bullshit, Chauncey Phillips has done zero fraudulent. fraudulent. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So. Pre Nets game versus post Nets game, he he was at Jeremy Grant pre post. He's at Josh Hart levels of usage. That's a fucking humongous gap for Shaden. Yeah, for Shaden. So going from oh shit, he's gonna fuck up Jeremy's shit to he's not doing fucking anything. <laughs> like I I, I I obviously I I, I think that. I don't particularly like Josh Hart, but him doing the five-man starter thing just erases any bit. If he doesn't get eight-plus rebounds a game, he's not doing shit because of what this what he's playing with. It's almost always
0: going to have Damer Anthony and then Yusuf, most likely. So he's and it's, just... it's frustrating, Sage, because Chauncey Billups literally has the blueprint on how Josh Hart thrives in his system. Not in somebody else's system, in Chauncey's system. Last year, he was the starting shooting guard. He got a little bit more usage, and he thrived. Wouldn't you... I, like, again... But I, I... he
1: also is, like, there has to be something going on with him, because he's just so scared to shoot.
0: So that just... Doubles how so we have multiple players kind of tentative to shoot the basketball. Something has to be brewing or building up that we're not aware of. And then you look at the other opposite side
1: and you see Yusuf Nurkic and Nasir Little changing everything about their shooting formula and it's working. So you see two guys that are just feasting on opportunity, and then you see three or four guys that are very tentative and scared. So I wonder, yeah, like I, there has to be something going on with the shooting coach because he's th- that person is making the shit work with two of them. But then four of them are just taking an ultimate backseat. So I, I don't know what it I don't know what it is. And we will probably never know what's wrong with certain players because they don't want the, the Blazers are one of the most quiet lipped
0: franchises in the league. So we're never going to know what the hell's really happening. So with the Blazers at 21 and 25, I was su- kind of pleasantly surprised to see that they now have a 6% chance at landing Victor Wembanyama. That's about the same percentage they had when they landed uh the number 1 overall pick in 2007. And I looked at their schedule, after this four-game stretch at home, it gets difficult. Really really difficult. They start to play some heavy hitters out west and out east and I get that the West is a bit jumbled up right now, but if you're not able to beat the Lakers and the Magics of the world uh at home, I, I don't think you're gonna I, I don't think you're gonna have a good time playing Boston and Milwaukee and Memphis uh over the next, you know, twenty twenty plus New Orleans over the next twenty plus games. You also have impending free agency coming up with Josh Hart and Jeremy Grant. Are you on the do you wanna? is there a chance that Jeremy Hart's just Jeremy Hart fuck
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Grant's just like, fuck this shit. I can, is there a chance yes. he leaves? Yes. So do, are you reason, on the thing of trading him and getting a first round pick?
0: The, I, and this is where Joe Cronin makes his money. And, and first of all, I know Joe's hands are tied. I, I think I'm relegated to the fact that Burt cold and Jody Allen are the ones that are really calling the shots. Like, He's probably just told, stay under the luxury tax. Um, but he does One have way to of doing do, that is trading him for a first round. He does have to do his due diligence and work with Jeremy's agent and say, hey, can we work out an extension? Does Jeremy want to stay here long-term? If you can't get a 100% commitment from Jeremy Grant, there is no way that you can roll the dice like Neil Olshay rolled the dice with LaMarcus Aldridge in 2015. Jeremy Grant... Cannot leave for nothing, especially when what you gave to acquire him was Jalen Duran. That pick that they got from Milwaukee via CJ McCollum in New Orleans ended up going to New York for Jalen Duran, a fantastic young center for the Detroit Pistons, who would look really good right now in Portland. You can't lose Jeremy for nothing. Not only is that opportunity cost completely gone, but then you're basically saying sayonara to any hopes of Damian Lillard wanting to come back. So I think you have to get a a, a commitment. This is Jeremy Grant staying in Portland. If you don't, you have to explore that that trade market. Uh, Josh Hart, I, I think, is going to want a bit of, of a raise. I think that's just inflation, but also people saw what he did last year. Uh, I think he's going to opt out of, of his player option. And with the litany of young wings that Portland has, they, they need to open up that spot. So I, I fully believe Josh Hart will will be on the move. I think that's the, the smart decision uh, to do in in portland right now especially considering the what the roster the the coach the coaching staff is not able to get this current roster um where they want to be again four games under 500 with minimal injuries is is extremely disappointing at this part of of the season but i i think portland's problems lie way deeper than just moving a a josh hart or figuring out what to do with, with jeremy grant i think what the blazers need to do is not mortgage their future because I think I'm I think we're both in in agreement that if if they continue to lose, I think that's okay at this point. The top of this draft class looks incredibly talented. And if you are graced with the basketball gods, you know, golden touch and and you you get that, you know, lucky ping pong ball that gives you Wimbanyama that all of a sudden now puts you in you know how espn does those future power rankings you're automatically number one in those future power rankings because this is the arguably the greatest prospect that anyone has ever seen and you pair him with the, the leadership and tutelage of damian lillard and you've got a, a and sharp and sharp mm-hmm. like you're now okay you you can hit if the, we get win you,
1: manana the chances we win a championship are so much higher than we ever at dame when he was at
0: his peakest of peak yep That's, I mean, the best chance Portland has probably since the Drexler years or or two thousand. Like it's, and I think you don't like you don't have to tank like they did last year, right? You're not losing anyway. (laughs) Yeah, you're not you're not going to catch teams like San Antonio and Houston and Charlotte and and Detroit. But if you can stay in that seventh or eighth position where they're at right now, that is actually like you know teams in the past have have won it at seven, eight, or nine. Like you have almost. You have a significant shot at getting this guy. And if you get the number two pick, that's still a lot of value. Like well, yeah, the more the higher the lottery pick you have, whether you want to keep it or trade it, that also enhances your future way better than getting exit out in the and four or five games in the first round. Like, I think again, we're all in agreement. We don't want to see Portland go to the first round, hobble in there, get sent home in, in four or five business days. And now we're one, we lose our pick to Chicago, and we're not having the the full mid-level exception and we have to deal with you know a couple of free agents coming back like you're basically running back the same roster except you're paying more for Jeremy and you're Josh paying Service. more and you don't have any you have zero picks coming in and we're probably talking about this next year too with a worse draft uh prospect in terms of the top overall guy it hasn't been a secret how much I like Jared Walker at in Houston so it's just like
1: <laughs> I, I'm per- like I'm so super duper psyched if we get Jerris Walker, but like like the fact that we keep losing it, it it helps for the Brandon Millers and the Scoot Hendersons of the world. Like, dog, <laughs> you're gonna have to watch some college basketball in the near future,
0: bro. Like, we're- I might just have to have you send me those those YouTube <laughs> links.
1: I sent him a, like a three minute clip of Jairus Walker playing defense. And I was just like, this is so he's a real dog. But uh yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, I, I think if we continue to lose, I think that a lot of people have this issue with le- having players leave for nothing. I remember people saying Ed Davis can't leave for nothing. He can. Sure. It, he it can, doesn't yeah. help. It doesn't hurt us that much. Jeremy Grant can absolutely not leave for nothing. So if we don't get that, you know that that wink wink deal
0: we need to trade into a playoff team and honestly josh hart probably as well i mean how, how how much worse can it really get if you if if josh hart just gets moved for a pick like you're you're not going to win anymore or, or really lose anymore like you're well, you're
1: going to help and sharp develop so yeah. that's
0: better in the long run anyway
1: and I, right. I i admit that i'm low on josh hart but he is but a like, humongous speed bump In front of Nasir Little and Chaitan Sharp. I
0: I believe the trade deadline is Thursday, February 9th. Portland has nine games. Six at home, three on the road. They're already 21 and 25. I think as crazy as it is to say, these nine games could determine the course of Portland's action. Because if you go two and seven, and you're now... What, nine games under 500 near the all-star break? You you know it's not going to happen. If you go seven and two, now you start, okay, we're a game out of home court advantage. Maybe we do a little bit more to uh, chase the Sacramento Kings of the world. So this is why we kind of talked about last episode that those two games against Dallas saved their season for now. I I do think losing to the Lakers in the fashion they did completely erased any good they did against the Mavericks. And so you're now kind of at the the same position. They have four more games left on this homestand. This was a stretch where they had 10 of 11 at home. They have played seven of those games to date but they're only two and five so they are not taking care of a light schedule uh sage uh you did pick up a game on me in the standings you correctly predicted a philadelphia loss so i'm still one game up on you uh in the standings but we have three games that we're going to look at you've got the spurs tonight monday january 23rd uh Wednesday the Jazz come to town and Saturday uh the Toronto Raptors uh make their lone trip to the Rose City. So let's start with the San Antonio Spurs, a team that uh, a lot of people expect to be active at the deadline especially with Jakob Purtle. Uh they are 14 and 32, uh just 5 and 15 away. Uh the Blazers have had their way with them this year. This this I know it's in February or January. But this has to be a must win uh for the Blazers, right?
1: Well, I- I- <laughs> If they want to, if, if they go oh, okay, you needed to clarify if they want to compete, yeah, it kind of is yeah. like the the Spurs have made it so. I, I seriously, seriously doubt Devin Vassell's playing an, another game this season. He went in for surgery, I don't think he's coming back. So they're playing like Josh Richardson and random draft guys that you and I hated, like Blake Wesley, and uh, uh, so it. If we don't win, I think the Lakers game was bad, but if we lose to this one, the, the answer is simple. It's it it's it's so simple. I mean, it, it's Keldon, it's Jakob, it's Trey Jones, and it's Jeremy Sochan. That that that's who you have to worry about. I mean, if jo- old ass Josh Richardson goes ham, well, <laughs> we're gonna be tanking again this year. <laughs>
0: So one player to keep an eye on um, for Portland is is a Trey Jones. Oh, yeah. He is a solid player. Really reminds me a lot of of Steve Blake in the sense like (laughs) you're about to say his brother. (laughs) A lot of his his brother doesn't make mistakes. He's a calming presence. And I think he is just a player that is. They're losing games, but he is not going to just let the he team plays winning basketball exactly all the time. Um, I think Portland wins. I I would be kind of floored if they would lose back to back like this. Uh, But anything is on, on the table right now. I, I I would love to see a bounce back performance from Yusuf Nurkic, especially going up against Jakob Pertl, player that has hurt the Blazers. Uh, Jakob in went the past. ham against us the last time we played.
1: And yeah, like bro, I'm. I, <laughs> I just did DFS lineups. I have a shitload of Keldon and Trey and Jakob. So, like, I did the I did all the minutes and what I think they're gonna do. I'm like, oh, I'm raising expectations on these three fellas because they're gonna they're they're gonna go ham on us. If if we say fuck it, we're playing Drew Eubanks. We're losing by thirty. I I, I know that the first game we played. Uh, Yusuf was just returning from injury and sucked. You cannot put someone so undisciplined like Eubanks and expect a win. So Yusuf has to step up. Who do you have winning this one? <sighs> do you have the Blazers? I have the Blazers. I have the Blazers too. Like if 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 if, if the Spurs win, we really need to change expectations and really think about Jairus Walker. <laughs> All right, what's the next game?
0: Uh the Utah Jazz who are now starting uh Walker Kessler. Uh He's been a center, fucking
1: maniac, bro.
0: Um with Kel. Lee uh currently sidelined. This is a team that everyone kind of expected to take a dive. They kind of did, but they've kind of bounced back like a buoy. They're 24 and 25 um, on, on the season. The team that Portland is chasing, it would be, again, another must win, I think, for a team looking to compete their one and one this year against the Utah Jazz. They lost a close game at home in Portland, one in which uh, the switching defense got cooked by Jordan Clarkson down the stretch. And then Portland had a win in Salt Lake City without Damian Lillard. It was Anthony Simon's finest outing of the season. I believe he had 45 uh, against the Jazz and and really kind of took them away. I believe Mike Conley did not play in that game, uh, but he is back and it is a team that has... I think a a lot of talent. Um, when Portland plays them again this year, it'll look completely different because I think Danny Ainge is going to make some moves. But considering this game is on Wednesday, I think you can expect the familiar faces of Lowry Markin, Jordan Clarkson, and Colin Sexton and Jared Vanderbilt to all be uh, out well, there competing. Vanderbilt's and that, that makes... been the direct backup for uh, Walker Kessler. Yeah, at the, and the You know, there's been a lot of you know rumors with this entire roster, but uh, I think the whole cast of characters will be there in Portland. Uh, Wednesday night this to me is going to be a a fun matchup I it's they've both been very competitive but you've got Lowry Mark and gunning for um, an all-star spot you got young players like like Kessler and and Vanderbilt trying to continuously get minutes and then you've got you know just the, the leadership like we talked about Trey Jones Mike Conley could be his dad in terms of you know leading that way like Mike Conley has been the the standard, the example of being a professional going out there. Everyone thought this team was going to be down to the dumps this year, and he was one of the the lone leftovers from those Donovan and Rudy teams. And he's like, no, that, that he's he's kind of like CP three in that way, where like wherever he goes, that team wins and that team competes. So this is a team that is well coached. Um, what's what's that? What's his will? What's the coach's name? What is their Goddamn coach's name. <laughs> will, <laughs> Hardy. Will, will Hardy. Will Hardy. Yeah. I, knew, I knew it was a Will. I was like, Will Walker will no Will, will Hardy. That he yeah. I've been incredibly impressed, the the games that, that I've seen them play against against Portland. Um if Portland doesn't come out with any sort of gusto or energy. Utah's gonna run them off the four.
1: And Utah's not going to die. Utah will not die if the Bla- Blazers are really good at getting like a 24 to 8 run. They're not gonna get frustrated. They got Mike Conley. They have veteran dudes. Like this is a team full of veterans and and young players that are really hungry. So, I mean, I don't know how we stop Lowry. He's just so damn good right now.
0: I and agree on Clarkson, especially oh, in God that pick damn, and roll. Right?
1: If he's matched up with Anthony Simons, that's thirty five, bro. So yeah, it, it's t- it's tough. I
0: I think Utah's in to win. I have Utah oh, as well. Yeah. Uh it's a long season. You can make up this <laughs> one game. And I I specifically like I have the, the results in my mind before we discuss this. So I'm not uh, I, trying... you know I don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh the last game is against the Toronto Raptors, a team that on Wednesday embarks for a seven-game Western Conference road trip that doesn't get them back into Toronto. Their next home game is February 8th. So right this is also this is also the second night of a back to back. They have to play in Golden State on. Oh, Friday. and they're playing their guys 45. So. If there is every scheduled victory, it is against the, the Toronto Raptors on this just incredibly difficult Western Conference road trip. Uh, the Raptors have been pretty disappointing this year, just 21 and 27, 11th in the, the, the Eastern Conference, a team. I, they're almost like the san antonio spurs of the east and the utah jazz of the east in terms of like every player outside of scotty barnes has been on the market mm-hmm. whether that's fred van vliet pascal siakam og ananobi gary trent jr uh, every one of their heavy hitters aside from barnes has been in trade rumors and that y- players can say they don't read anything online but if they don't they're getting text texted things from oh yeah their friends and family like they hear the chatter, and when you're already having a poor season, like winning can cover up a, a lot of um a lot of blemishes. Losing only enhances those blemishes and they become bigger. And, and I think nurse is
1: not afraid of talking shit about his players in the media. Specifically so all of that. Trent Jr. Oh bro, I remember I sent you the shit. Like he's not providing enough defense, so we're not playing him as much. Like so adding that. Toxic element to this bad season, man. I I I, I know that it's a a back to back against Golden State. I just know that we're <laughs> we're gonna get a shitload of Pascal Siakam if he's still on the team. Like, like I, I, it's gonna be hard because I think there's okay. I, I think the Raptors are going to win, and I think this is where I catch up in the one game. I think this is going to be a very interesting game between the two teams, but yeah. I, I, I <laughs> Our starters are going to just play 42 minutes a game. This like Both of these coaches just don't give a fuck. Um, obviously, the, if someone gets traded or something, obviously I think it's going to be wrong, but yeah, I think the Raptors are going to win. So that's the only game we differ on this week. Yep. All right, man. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Himalaya podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, leave us a nice review, set, do a sub, wherever you listen. And uh if you can, you know, tweet about it with your friends, a word of mouth saying the Holy Backboard does the good good content. We are the longest running uh duo podcast uh Blazers podcast in well, I guess in the world. But, in so, the world. In the world. We're
0: number one. So, yeah. In uh, between diaper runs and daycare tours, we are here recording <laughs> for you. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night,
1: everybody. Let's go.